This is the Art of Dental Finance and Management podcast brought to you by Art Wiederman, CPA with Ide Bailey. Whether it's taxes and investing or planning wisely, Art is the expert to make your dental practice profitable. At Ide Bailey, what inspires you inspires us. We provide a suite of accounting and advisory services dedicated to the total care of your practice. Visit our website to access our tools and resources tailored for dentists, idebailey.com slash dentist. That's E-I-D-E-B-A-I-L-L-Y dot com slash dentist. This podcast is distributed with the understanding that Art Wiederman, CPA, and Ide Bailey, LLP are not rendering legal, accounting, or other professional advice. Listeners should consult with their business advisors before acting on any of the information or opinions shared. If you have questions and or feedback, make sure to email Art over at awiederman at idebailey.com. That's A-W-I-E-D-E-R-M-A-N at E-I-D-E-B-A-I-L-L-Y dot com. You can also give Art a call at 657-279-3243. Without further delay, here's your host, Dental CPA, Art Wiederman. And hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Art of Dental Finance and Management with Art Wiederman CPA. Uh, I'm your host, Art Wiederman. Uh, I've been a dental-specific CPA for 37 years. Welcome to our new listeners, which we get every week uh, uh, on the podcast. Uh, I'm a dental division director for the CPA firm of Ide Bailey. Uh, our office is in Tustin, California, and my, uh, as I call it, my world recording studio is here in South Orange County, where I live. And um, I've got a great episode for you today. Uh, I have always been a proponent that marketing in a dental practice is something that you do every day and that the day you stop marketing your dental practice or your business, whether it's a dental practice or a manufacturing business, the day you stop marketing your business is the day your business starts to die. And uh, when I was starting in dentistry in the 1980s, uh, we had the yellow pages. And when I lecture at the dental schools, I ask people, uh, the dental students, how many of you uh, find goods and services through the Yellow Pages? And they look at me, and I actually bring a copy of an old Yellow Pages book, and they say, they look at me like I'm insane. And I say, no, today, the way you do it is, and I pull out my, uh, my iPhone, and I hold it up, and that's how you do it. And we look at websites. So today I have Jeff Gladnick, who's the founder and CEO of Great Dental Websites. And I think that's a great marketing name for a company. Uh, I think your company should be called Great Something as opposed to Average Dental Websites. But his company is Great Dental Websites. And uh, Jeff was actually um, referred to me by my good friend Rita Zamora, who's been on the podcast. And he's worked with many people that I know. And he's as good as it gets in creating great dental websites. And we're going to talk about what a great dental website looks like today. And we're going to get into um, his good friend, Mr. Google, and how that all plays into everything and a whole bunch of things about that. We'll get to Jeff in a couple of minutes. I want to give you some information like we do every week. Uh, make sure that you check in with our partner, Decisions in Dentistry Magazine, the best clinical dental magazine uh, out there. They have amazing clinical contact. I'm sorry. They have great clinical stuff. I can't get the word out of my mouth, folks. Uh, I, I just returned from a seven day, 17-day trip to Portugal and Spain, and I'm still getting over the, um, the jet lag. Uh, I usually do it better, but if you ever get a chance to go over there, it is some of the most beautiful country uh, that exists, and um, uh, the desserts were my downfall, but that's another conversation for another day. Um, but uh, Decisions in Dentistry magazine has great clinical content. Uh, they have over 140 uh, continuing education courses that you can purchase access to at a very reasonable price. Go to their website at www.decisionsindentistry.com and check out what they have going on. Uh, also, check out My Mothership, which is the Academy of Dental CPAs. Uh, 24 CPA firms, of which Ide Bailey is one of them, that represent over 10,000 dentists across the United States. Ide Bailey represents about 1,000 dentists, primarily in the in the Western United States. We have been the financial first responders through the pandemic. 
um, employee retention tax credit, HHS provider relief fund, PPP, and everything else. And we're going to talk about that in a second here. So go to our website, www.adcpa.org. So I want to give you some updates. Um, First of all, we are recording here in the middle of October of 2021. And so by now, all of you should have filed for forgiveness for your first round PPP loan. If you haven't, then you're probably already making payments to the bank on the loan and you need to file for your forgiveness. But I'm going to say 99% of you have done that. Now, the employee retention tax credit is something that is very available to you. It's a credit that was created as part of the CARES Act in uh, 2020, in March of 2020. Uh, It is um, a a tax credit that if you had a greater than 50% reduction in your gross receipts in the mostly the second quarter of 2020, you can qualify for a tax credit of up to $5,000 per employee for 2020. We have at Ide Bailey done over 80 dental practices that have qualified, and we have gotten doctors over $3 million in tax credits. Several of them, we got over $100,000 in tax credits. So it is not too late, even if you have filed for forgiveness, and even if you filed your 2020 tax returns, um, and uh, this podcast will be published after the tax deadline, but uh, all of you would have already filed your tax returns. If you are interested in looking to see if you can get some free government money from the Employee Retention Tax Credit, send me an email at awiederman at com. That's A W I E D E R M A N at idebailey, E I D E B A I L L Y dot com, or give me a call at 657. 657- Two seven nine three two four three. Now, so that that's the uh, employee retention. Ta- that's the employee retention tax credit. You can also be eligible for this tax credit for the first, second, or third quarter of twenty twenty one, and you only need a twenty percent reduction in your gross revenues for either the fourth quarter of twenty twenty versus twenty nineteen, or any of the first three quarters of twenty twenty one versus the same quarters in 2019. And that credit is, instead of 5,000 per employee per year, is 7,000 per employee per quarter. If you think you've qualified for that, we would strongly urge you not to file for forgiveness yet on your PPP round two loan, because you have until pretty much spring of 2022 to do that. And by not filing for forgiveness, we have a lot more latitude to take a larger credit. So if you want some help on that, let us know. Even though you file for forgiveness, it's fine. We've got a lot of doctors who have done that. And our average credit's around $40,000. That's a lot of money. That funds a retirement plan. It funds a a year of tuition at most colleges. It's a really good deal. The other thing I want to talk about, well, there's two other things I want to talk about before we bring Jeff on, is the HHS Provider Relief Fund. Now, most of you got 2% of your revenues in the third quarter of 2020 uh, from the Department of Health and Human Services. The HHS Provider Relief Fund was a fund that was set up by the CARES Act, the same act that set up the PPP and the ERTC back in March of last year, $175 billion of money that represented money to help healthcare practitioners, and that means hospitals, critical care units, nursing homes, dentists, physicians, to fight the COVID-19 pandemic. Well, they gave out 2% of the revenues of most dental offices in July, August, September of 2020. Well, they're not gonna give you free money, folks, unless you tell them what you did with it. So the reporting was supposed to start in January of 2021. They didn't quite get around to it. They finally got around to it in July. And basically what they said was, if you got money, between April 10th and June 30th, and that would only be for dentists who do Medicare, Medi-Cal, CHIP. If you got that money, then you would be able, you would have to file by September 30th. Well, we'll pass September 30th. They did give everybody a 60-day grace period. But for most of you who either got the HHS money in August, the 2%, or 
and, or, or, and, I guess, the phase three money, then uh, that phase three money could have been six figures for many of our practices. It actually was. You have to file between January 1 and March 31. So that's coming up. You need to prepare for that. So you want to go on to the Department of Health and Human Services website and take a look at the workbooks that they have so that you can gather your expenses that qualify and you know what to put together for lost revenues. We have a a helpline, a help email, if you will, that is prf at idbailey.com. So if you need some help with that, shoot us an email. We'll engage one of our folks to help you with what you have to do. Um, but you can't look at this thing until January 1. But if you don't report by March 31, yeah, pretty much guaranteed you're going to have to give that money back and they're not going to give any more grace periods. So anyway, the last thing I'm going to share real quickly is Congress right now and the president are in the process of trying to negotiate their somewhere between a two and three and a half trillion dollar stimulus bill, which is going to include infrastructure, climate change, child care, uh, all kinds of social programs that President Biden and the Democrats are trying to pass uh, it, as part of what they ran on in uh, uh, November of last year. Uh, that is going to include a significant tax increase pretty much for the wealthy. So you want to be watching your news and everything like that uh, to see how that goes. We're going to be doing a podcast as soon as the new tax law comes out. Uh, and, and we'll tell you all about that. Last thing, and then we'll get to, to Jeff, is uh, our dental series is um, continuing. Our last series of 2021 is going to be on November 17th with Rachel Wall of Inspired Hygiene. We're going to talk about great hygiene departments. Go on to our Ide Bailey YouTube page. You've got all of the podcasts and all of the webinars that we've done. I recorded one last night um, with my good friend, Clint Johnson of Profitable PPOs. And it was a great webinar. We had a lot of people on it and we got a lot of good business information. So go on to our Ide Bailey YouTube page. And if you want to um, register for these webinars, go ahead and go to idebailey.com forward slash dental series. And you can do that there. Be sure to check out our new Ide Bailey podcast, Ebb and Flow, a business podcast providing inspired insight on issues and trends the middle market faces. Hear unique business stories, get answers to frequently asked and unasked questions, and understand business topics that matter to you. Available now on your favorite podcast platform. All right. So with that, let me get to my, uh, my friend, Jeff Gladnick. Jeff is the founder and CEO of Great Dental Websites out of Denver, Colorado. We, we do these recordings on a Teams, uh, Microsoft Teams platform. So he kind of turned his computer and showed me downtown Denver, which is a beautiful place. And we're going to talk again about websites and kind of how they work and what works for you. So Jeff Gladnick, welcome to the Art of Dental Finance and Management. Thank you for having me on, Art. I was just listening to the uh, the tax advice you're giving and uh, just reminding me about the, the pandemic. Um, and I was in Australia when it happened. And I barely made it back here uh, by about 48 hours to spare before they shaved the flights off. And then, you know, the whole world went to hell. And I remember um, you're talking about the decrease and our clients are just calling us nonstop of like, well, we've been shut down by the government. We don't know when we can come back on. What do we do with our marketing? And we're just helping them like pare it down, uh, which is very tough for us too. But um, yeah, that was, a, that was a crazy time to be alive. I'm glad that era has passed. Um, yeah. It well, it, it's interesting, Jeff, the dental profession, in my opinion, came through really, really well. I mean, imagine if you were running a restaurant. Yeah, or, or a bar a gym, or an event. Yeah. Or, or I mean, I, I have one of, one of my best friends from, you know, 40 years ago in, uh, at Long Beach State. His wife is a, a, an event planner. The yeah. business was over. It was done. It was shut down for a year. I mean, she started doing some virtual stuff, but it was amazing. The dental profession was out of business for eight to 12 weeks in most cases. And um, I'm sure that as soon as they got back, your phone started ringing, right? Mostly, yeah. We uh, The business recovered by October of that year, um, although our cost structures have gone way up since then. 
Um, but there's still uh, some softness in our new client side of the business from dentists who just can't fully staff. Um, and I know this is a problem across the economy and lots of businesses. We still hear from a lot of our clients that they cannot fill hygiene positions, front desk, dental assistant positions. They're just struggling to get fully staffed. Yeah, it, it's a problem not only in dentistry. It is the number one problem in dentistry by far is finding people. I mean, you read articles about the workforce and stuff. We don't need to go down that road, but that is an issue. It's an issue in my business and the accounting profession. It's a business. It's an issue in every profession. And um, uh, so that's another conversation for another day. But why don't you tell us a little bit about your journey, your career? Um, I know you had mentioned to me uh, uh, one of the things you did um, was you uh, invented a um, something that had to do with the ski industry. So tell us about your whole journey and how you got to where you are today. So I, I was an engineer uh, by training and trade. Um, my my dad is a dentist. My brother's a dentist. Uh, there are eight dentists in my family. It was kind of oh a family goodness. tradition. Yeah, well, you, you grow up around like uncles and aunts, and that's all you hear about at Thanksgiving is people talking about teeth. And, um, you know, there's, that's one of the jobs available to you as a five-year-old. You're like, there's firemen, there's police officers, and there's dentists. I knew there were like at least three jobs. Uh, that's it. Nothing <laughs> yeah. else. So those are well, your three I, you choices. Know. That's all you could do. So, you know, yeah, somebody who's a professional football player was not in it for you, huh? Uh, uh, There's baseball players. Yeah, but I, I didn't really get it. Yeah, though, that didn't seem like I was, I didn't think I was going to be a professional baseball player, although I would have loved to. Um, but um, those are the practical jobs, dentist, firemen, and, you know, police officers. And so I, I always just, uh, at the risk of offending the audience, I always thought it was disgusting. Um, sticking my hand in people's mouths, uh, you know, touching blood. And this just never had an appeal to me. I remember my dad sent me with glee an article explaining that the keyboard was like five times more disgusting than a human mouth or something. At one point, he just loved that article. And this is what you've chosen, Jeff. You didn't even think it through. But um, the gravity of dentistry is strong. And I went to school for computer engineering. Um, I became very good with software and especially building content management systems, website publishing systems. Um, And my dad and my uncles wanted a new website. And I, they got outrageous costs for them. And I told them I'd build them a system so they could all do it. And then, you know, the other aunts and uncles got wind of this free website deal um, and wanted in on it. And it slowly became a company and people referred us. That was like uh, 14 years ago. Um, I thought I'd be out of this in a few months. It's been 14 years. Um, we have about 950 clients, a second office down in Australia, um, about 40, low 40 staff. Um, so this has become a Serious business. Uh, it does sound that way. So, so Jeff, let's let's uh, let's uh, give our dentists some great information about um, what they should be doing on their website. So, I know that when I talk to dental contractors, they you know they they go to a doctor who says, "I want to build a new dental office," and and one of the first questions they ask is, "What is the vision for your practice? What is the vision for your office?" Yeah. So, what what should be the vision for a dentist who wants a a, a website? What what should they be thinking? Uh, about and what are you? What are they telling you that they want? Well, it, it's got to reflect the practice because um, oftentimes, you know, people buy websites, you know, like they're buying it off a shelf, and it's sometimes the 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 imagery, the demographics of the people. Um, you know, we had a client who who very like very politely and patiently told us that like the the, the pictures we weren't using is like these these people just don't look like my patients, and we. We didn't understand. We gave him a couple more. And no, no, no. And, and what he really wanted to tell us is, guys, we're in Chinatown. Um, almost all of our patients are Chinese. And these are just like random different demographics. And and it's important to have, you know, the demographics of the people on your website reflect the demographics of your patient base or the patient base you want. Um, so that, that can be a mismatch. Um, colors should match your logo. Um, you know, you don't want to use, uh, it, it's very popular to use the soft blues and things that are calming and it's supposed to like red, except for certain cultures. Maybe you're in Brighton Beach in New York and you've got a lot of Russian um, patients. Well, red's a different story there. Um, so there's little things like that with color imagery. Um, and of course, you know, how snazzy it is, how how focused on the higher end of the market you are. Uh, can can attract the right type of high-end cosmetic patients, or it can turn off the salt-of-the-earth patients who may be union employees at a factory near you who, who think that you're just the wrong fit for them. You're the fancy dentist that's going to overcharge them. Um, so you really have to think about what type of patients you're going for. If they're older, you may be 
focused on dentures or you may be focused on families. Um, and so all these things have to go into how you select images, how you do the graph design, how the copy's written um, to, to appropriately attract the right audience. So I, I want to ask a question because this is something that that I want to, I'm, I'm very passionate about helping doctors reduce their um, dependency on PPO and insurance plans. And a lot of yeah. them see their uh, only way they can get new patients is by signing up for every PPO on the market. And that is uh, very dangerous to do. Um, again, go to uh, go to the 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 iBail YouTube page and watch the uh, webinar Clint Johnson and I did last night, uh, October the thirteenth, and 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 he'll tell you why. And 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 so, how can you design a website that is going to attract? I don't know if there's a way to attract non-insurance patients, cash patients, fee-for-service patients. Is, is there something that you do in 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 what you do that 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 goes towards that uh, demographic? Yeah. Um, so I, I, I don't know how many of our clients are fee-for-service. I'd like to think it's a majority. I'm not really sure off the top of my head. I know a lot of our clients also work with insurance. Some of, A few of them specialize in insurance cases, but I think most of them are trying to attract fee-for-service patients. Um, a lot of that comes down to the marketing, and there are some things that you can specifically do to get those types of clients. So, for example, like most people live in neighborhoods where the, ha- the average housing price is kind of in a strata. So, um, you know, if you're in a really high income neighborhood, there's probably not a lot of people there on like Medicaid or Medi-Cal or something or or who are going to make healthcare decisions purely based on insurance. They may have it and they'd love to use it, but if they it's more important to them for quality. And you can absolutely set up uh, pay-per-click, uh, you know, Google AdWords campaigns and just literally draw like a box around those neighborhoods. And it's not 100% accurate. There's a little bit of like bloom uh, let's call it of the targeting, but doing this type of like sniping of high income neighborhoods um, can help you limit where you advertise to the people who are not um, likely to make an, insur- an insurance based decision. That's not going to be the sole uh, basis of their healthcare choice. So, is there something? And again, we're going to get into all yeah. the aspects of website. Is there anything on the website that we can do to specifically target these non insurance patients? Yeah, I know um, a lot of people have started to integrate um, dental membership plans. I'm not sure how you feel about that. I know that that... Uh, I think it's a good idea in many cases, yes. Yeah, I, I know that a lot of people um, you know, are using that as an alternative um, and people kind of effectively buy their own insurance and may, that kind of makes sense um, to me. Um, it's not as important to have insurance for dentistry as it is for, for health insurance. Um, the way that you write um, can be uh, a little bit higher, um, you know, on the educational spectrum. Uh, you can t- set the t- we we typically will try to write it on average around like an eighth grade educational level, but you can bump that up if you're targeting a higher demographic that may impress them. Um, having the right types of these are just general things that will will help you, um, you know, win patients uh, uh, before and after cases that show off your work, video testimonials. Um, there's a lot of uh, you know, higher end, a uh, little bit higher cost, but not much. A lot of it you can do yourself. Types of media that people will need in order to feel comfortable moving forward on a, a big case, you know, a huge uh, cosmetic case for some, um, someone may spend hours researching and going to different dentists. And you've got to get through all the, the gates um, to, to have them become comfortable with selecting your practice. Okay. And we're going to get into, you know, that's one of the things we'll talk about is video testimonials and what should be on the website. But let's talk about what a consumer is looking for. I, I read some statistics a while back that I use in some of the lectures that I do that, that a, a consumer, as they're clicking around the internet, uh, you've got somewhere between nine-tenths of a second and 1.5 seconds to grab the interest of a consumer. So talk about what, Jeff, what's a consumer looking for on the internet? They, they know they want to find a dentist. They've decided that they're going to go on the internet. They're going to they're probably going to Google it, and they're going to they're going to start looking at websites for you know uh, uh, let, let's just say Denver, Colorado dentist or dentist Denver, yeah. Colorado. Um, what's the consumer thinking, and how do we set the website up to to address what the consumer is thinking? So um, you're right. There's a lot of searches for dentist near me or dentist in the name of my city. Uh, the re- a, a good review strategy can help a lot with this. Um, it's not the end-all, be-all. 
Um, and you have to remember that 35% of users who some, cause some people say, well, I just have a Google, my business page or a Facebook page, which went down. You know, if you remember Facebook going down completely, um, yeah. was that like a week or two ago? About a week um, or two I wouldn't, ago, yeah. don't put all your eggs in one basket. Um, right. but 35% of people after they read their views, the next action they do, and this doesn't mean they don't do it on their second or third action, but the very next action they do is go to the website. And so reviews are, you know, just, a, uh, just another gate that people have to get through, just like, you know, how well you rank being another gate. You know, the first gate is, can they even find you? And do you have an opportunity to say, hey, look at me. Reviews are the next gate of like, well, a lot of other people think I'm good. Maybe you will too. And then when they get to the website, there's more gates. Um, You know, will they see patient testimonial videos there? So they say, okay, well, that feels more real than the review. That person's actually talking. This doesn't seem like an actor. Um, You know, and then will they get to see you? Uh, because that's another gate. Am I going to like this dentist? Are they going to be weird? Do they? Am I scared of the dentist today? Do I think they're going to hurt me? Um, so those are some phobias that people have, and having videos uh, of the dentist talking can help with that. Same thing with um, before and after cases. That's another gate. Uh, it's proof that you can do this. You've done this before at least once, and it it went well. Um, you'd be happy with this result too. Um, with, with the reviews, though, I, I should say something about that. Don't be super stressed if you get a negative review it's going to happen eventually I think like what it's like two or three percent of the population are sociopaths you know a lot of them have teeth <laughs> god that's scary they're out that's there millions people. of people jeff i know it's depressing maybe i'll go but, back uh, to spain and have some more sangria i, I don't know I, I think there's various uh who, who knows what it is over there um you got drunk sociopaths and sleeping in the middle of the day coming out at night <laughs> Yeah, they, they do. They, I learned that in now Spain. They take too. siestas like from two to five. We we had some free time on on the tour days, and my, my wife says, "Yeah, I really want to go do some shopping." And it, our free time was two to four, and nothing was open. They were all closed. So yeah, they have, they have a bimodal sleep schedule, um, uh, and you yeah. can do that as a human being. It's actually slightly more efficient. Um, I once put myself into a polyphasic sleep cycle um, where I would only sleep about four to six hours a night max. Wow! And my goal was to get it down to two. Um, that was a little harder. You you can do it, but you have to strip away any semblance of a social life. You ha- uh, If you go for the two-hour option, you have to sleep every six hours on the dot for a half hour. You go right into REM sleep. Um, but if you miss it by like 15 minutes, you are hosed for like two days as you like your body struggles to recover. Um, so it's, it's just it would just be so strange because I would I tried this for a few weeks. Um, I, ha- I think I was on like a four-hour target. And wow. I, w- I would have to like stop what I was doing and go take a nap. And, you know, it doesn't matter. You're driving, pull over and take a nap. You're having people well, over your house, stop. You have to go to leave and go take a nap. Well, uh, I'm, but, I'm glad, I'm glad yeah. I got you. I'm glad I got you when you're not napping. That's a, No, that's I, a I had to give that up since I had kids. That went right out the window. There, there, there you go. So we talked about video testimonials. Uh, you like them. Uh, do, do you like to have on a website, uh, uh, do you like to have the doctor talking about what he or she does? Uh, do you like to have, I mean, live uh, patients and, and, and in the website, do you have some recommendations? Do you just put uh, a happy patient in front of a, a, a camera and say, talk, or is there some coaching involved or how does that work? Yeah, but, so I like both. Um, I, I want to have the dentist on there for a different reason than I want to have the patient. Um, so for the dentist, I, I want them to just kind of, the whole point of this is it's really, it's almost irrelevant what they're saying. I want them to kind of have like their dental outfit on, look like a dentist, ideally be in the operatory because, um, to impart, you know, professionalism and confidence. Um, but I want the, the potential patient on the other end of the screen to to feel confident that they they would get along with this person as a healthcare provider. Because we've all been to like, uh, you know, healthcare providers are like, ah, I just don't like this person. Um, right. And there's just a bad fit. And so what we want is the right fit. We want somebody uh, to like, uh, and this is where personality comes out. If you're very serious and you want people to know that you take this very seriously, I wear a suit and tie. You know, I'm I always I don't I just look straight at you. I don't make any jokes. You know, this is this is what you're going to get here. That will attract a certain type of patient. On the other hand, um, you may be more gregarious and outgoing, and you love to crack jokes and smile and you know you know rib your patients a little bit. And some patients love that. Um, but what the last thing you want to do is have this mismatch where your website or your marketing is presenting one thing and you're completely the opposite. And then people show up expecting one experience and they get the opposite of what they wanted. Good point. Um, and so that, that type of fit can be done very well with video. For testimonials, this is the one thing where I tell people, I don't know if I would hire a professional to do this. I would rather have, because authenticity is the main quality of these videos that we're going for. Um, you know, we had one 
client that we actually started uh, mailing uh, little smartphone tripods to after we saw this because he had these great videos that he was recording, but he had these shaky, disturbingly shaky hands um, for a dentist. And he, these videos are just kind of like just shaking all the time. Uh. And so we, you know, just but having a smartphone that you prop on something or a tripod is fine quality because it looks authentic. Like, you know, I, I want to see a little disheveled necklace or the hair is a little off or, you know, they're not wearing like perf- the, the lighting's a little off. I, I don't care about all that. Um, I'd rather have that than somebody with like a Barbara Walters filter and like the makeup and the lighting is everything sounds perfect. Like have something in the background because I want people to believe this is absolutely real. This is a I'm real a human person. being. This is yeah, a human and, being. Um, yeah. And we just filmed them impulsively and sporadically and they're just giving you their raw experience as it happened just to, just to share this as a public service. Um, so those are typically the two most common ways that we're working with patients um, for video. Um and we'd love love it when uh, our clients do that because those things are basically pretty free or cost effective, and they they usually are can use them in ads and all over the place. Well, I got a lot of other things I want to talk to you about, but I want to give you a second to talk a little bit about what you do, and how folks might get a hold of you. So, uh, Jeff, talk about if someone's looking for a, a dental website, either a new one or an upgraded one, um, how would they work with you, and how would they get a hold of you? Oh, yeah. I, I mean, if you're already convinced at this point, if you heard enough, um, yeah, you can just go to greatdentalwebsites.com, uh, greatdentalwebsites.com.au if you're in the Australian market. Um, we've uh, The way it typically works, you'll talk to one of our staff. We'll kind of try to understand. We'll, we'll speak with you usually like two or three times. Um, the first time, we, we just want to understand what you're up to and what your goals are. We'll do some research. We'll present you with what we see are the problems, opportunities, challenges, and ways we think we can help. Um, if that all sounds good, we'll give you a proposal. If you like the proposal, we'll move forward. We don't have any long-term contracts. Um, so, you know, if you decide we're the wrong fit, you can just fire us. Um, we've, uh, we still have a 92% retention rate. Um, that's how we like to do business. We've worked with over, you know, we currently work with over 950 dental practices. Um, and we're almost entirely focused on dentistry, except for, you know, a handful of uh, other, you know, obligations for, you know, family members or friends of friends that sure. it fit well into our uh, system. Okay. Is there a phone number people can get a hold of you at? Yes, yeah, 720-399-7071. Um, I can't remember the Australian number off the top of my head, but just go to our websites, greatdentalwebsites.com or the .au and I, you'll find it. I know I know that our podcast is listened to in over 70 countries, maybe oh, more, wow. last time I checked. But um, I, I think the United States is the main place that's listened to. So let, let's get into some some specifics about what should be part of a good dental website. So I got some different things I want to ask you about. Let's start with content. I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm one who likes to write. I like to, to, to write and write and write until people want to throw up about reading what I'm writing. How much content is good? How do you suggest the dentist put the content into the website? We typically spend about 25 to 35 hours of copywriters' time writing content for their website. We go through an interview process with them. And, you know, I mentioned like the, the mismatch. This can happen with the copywriting too. Um, you know, you want the copywriting to sound like the dentist wrote it. Um, so that's why it's important to interview them and get a sense for how they talk and how they describe things. Um, the, the other content we typically want on there. Uh, and you also want enough content. Um, when we, we, you talked a little bit about search engine optimization and people looking for like dentists in Denver. Um, and those, there are a lot of searches for that, but there's also a lot of searches for specific services. So veneers in Denver, veneers in, you know, Capitol Hill in Denver, Invisalign in Capitol Hill in Denver. And those searches are sometimes uh, better to get uh, in aggregate because there's lots of them and for all these different services because the people already know what they want. They're not just randomly my mouth hurts let me figure this out they know exactly what the problem is and they're looking for a solution um so having enough content on what we would call your service landing pages the the page on your website about invisalign or the main page um goes a long way in attracting those type of searches for very qualified visitors um in addition to that we want media like before and after cases pictures of your office uh video testimonials dental videos of the dentist um, that sort of stuff, FAQs, blog posts, uh, financial options, technology. A lot of these things uh, we will organize and relate onto these service landing pages. So when somebody lands on your page about you know, implants, they may see the technology of your same-day Sarek machine. They may see before and after case of 
a um, dental implant, they'll see a video testimony of a dental implant. They'll see you, the dentist, giving an explanation of why you guys like the Seric machine and why you think it's a good use of their time, et cetera, et cetera. There are no blog posts or FAQs wondering if this is the same quality as one that goes to the lab. All these types of things we like to incorporate together onto those landing pages. And that that performs extremely well for SEO. That's typically the way that we kind of, the, the very raw approach to um, a rough uh, approach of, of how our architecture works when we're building websites and why we're doing it that way. Okay. How about the design of the website? How do you lay it out? What do you like? What don't you like? So there's, I mean, it, it, a lot of this is tailored to the uh, the individual's tastes and, um, you know, we'll take their logos and their, their color palette into account here. Um, similarly, the creative director will interview them to figure out what websites they like and not necessarily dental. Some people show us like, I like Tesla's website. Um, and this is why, um, we want to understand, you know, what their personal opinions are. We try to marry this with what we know works. Um, cause you know, sometimes people want design options that are just going to be very bad, um, for, you know, user experience. Um, or for you know for Google um, that they're going to violate SEO best practices with something that they really like design wise but they won't like the results of it um, so that there's a and then we'll present them with you know mockups um, get their feedback refine the mockups and then build the site there's there are some conventions that you should always kind of think about uh, with design that you you really need to adhere to um, the home page or the logo should always be in the upper left like don't put the home page in the middle. Don't put the the uh, the homepage link or the logo on the right. Everybody expects this to be in the upper left. Don't try to reinvent the wheel. Uh, we know that vertical navigation menus, you know, ones going across the top of the website horizontally, perform what better than menus that go along the left side of a page. Um, you need to have a a design that's mobile responsive. So. Google previously would allow you to have, well, they still allow you, but they, they were okay with you having a separate mobile website that had different content, different design. They don't like that anymore. They want you to have a responsive website that'll work the same on a tablet, a phone, a bigger phone. You know, some people have this giant, uh, god-awful phones that barely fit in your pocket, um, or a desktop, um, or a laptop, or a big monitor. Um, so the, the design has to work well, and it's more of a challenge than it used to be, on a variety of different screens. Um, well, you know, we, one day maybe we'll be walking around with those Jordi LaForge Google Glass things. And the, <laughs> the, the design's going to have to work for that, too. <clears throat> Probably so, not too far in the future, I would think. Um, you, you talked, we've talked a little bit about smile galleries. You like to have those on the websites? Yeah, yeah. You want you want proof that the dentist can do the work. You want to show examples of your real work. Um, some of those cases will rank well by themselves when someone's looking for a specific type of service. Um, sometimes the, you'll you'll get not just one result on the uh, uh, Google search result page, but you'll get two or three. And the more content you give them, the more FAQs, blog posts, uh, smile gallery cases, uh, the more of a chance you have for that to work. Um, those those images, if you uh, add a little bit of metadata to the images, which our software does by default, um, will appear in Google image searches. Someone's looking for veneers, you know, they Google figure out where you are, where they are. It, it can tell if you've embedded uh, geolocation data into the image, um, and it'll show them these images. And when they click it, it'll take you to the before and after case, and then you see it and, in context. Okay, and you also like to have service overview pages as part of the website? Yeah, I talked about that uh, a second ago. You know, all the we want to have a lot of content, usually 500 words describing the service, the, the benefits of the service. A lot of people will, Dennis will make the mistake if they write the content themselves, just telling you clinically what they're going to do. Nobody wants to hear that. Uh, they don't want to hear, you know, there's going to be a drill, there's going to be a knife. Oh, this is not good. Um, we want to hear about the benefits, you know, and, you know, your experience and the technology you're using and their experience of how they're going to experience this as a patient. Um, so, and, and a lot of, there's lots of words you can do, you know, instead of, you know, injection, you know, it's anesthetic, you know, and, and, and so instead of pain, discomfort. Um, there's lots of uh, words that uh, dentists will use that are completely accurate, but the wrong thing to tell patients. Right. That, that makes a lot of sense. My biggest pet peeve on websites when I'm looking for a service is I can't tell you how many websites I've seen where I can't find the phone number. Oh, yeah. the uh, I mean, on a mobile site, uh, a mobile phone, this, this has to be a click-to-call button. It's got to be on the uh, top of the bar so you can just click it at any given time. Uh, phone number should be in the upper right. Um, yep. of every yep. page. Um, yep. It should be on the contact page. Um, we try to integrate 
calls to action throughout landing pages at various points throughout the site. Um, we'll add animation that is so slight, it's subconscious. Um, we've, we've spent a lot of time doing user interface testing where we'll increase the speed of the animation and then, until people notice it, and then we'll back it off until they don't, but they still <laughs> click on it 3% more um, than if there's no animation. I like um, the minions myself. Do you do any minion stuff? Yeah. Yeah. Lots of little tricks like that. You got to have the phone number. I mean, it's it's just criminal when when you have to go on the scavenger hunt for the phone number and it's like buried in like a font six uh, on the very bottom in the footer somewhere. It's like, what are you doing? You're just well, they won't. They'll, they'll just go to a, they'll just go to the next website, right? Oh yeah, and, and when you asked this question earlier, like how much time do you have? Um, we typically think about eight seconds is the max um, okay. to to convince someone they haven't made a mistake and they shouldn't hit the back button. But that's exactly what people are doing. When they click something from Google, they're like, "Did I make?" What they're thinking is, "Did I make a mistake?" And if they don't see immediately, like, "Okay, I'm expecting a dentist. I'm expecting a page about veneers. Let me go back. Okay, I didn't get it. Go back." And that is a huge mistake that people make when they're running digital ad campaigns like AdWords. They will waste so much money um, targeting. You know, let's say, "Okay, well, I, I got a website, you know, drgladnick.com or something." And um, so let me you know, create a campaign for veneers and another one for Invisalign, and I'll just send it to drgladnick.com. So people click the Invisalign page. They go to a general page about some dentist. There's no mention of veneers. And people are like, this isn't about veneers. Back. Um, next. And then it, and the tons of, that's the biggest waste that we typically see when dentists will, uh, or people who don't have experience with this will write, do AdWords campaigns. They, these things have to take you to a page that's very focused on what you do. That's the secret to SEO too. Um, if people are expecting something very specific and they don't get it, they'll just think there's a mistake and they'll go back. And Google so, will figure that out too and adapt the results. Well, we're going to talk about Google next because that's a big part of all this. So um, my, my my friend Gary Takis, who everybody in the world knows, and he's the guy that got me into podcasting. Uh, in his, and I've lectured on the same stage with Gary, I don't know, 15, 20 times. I can't even remember how many times. And Gary always has this thing he says. He says, okay, he asks the audience, so what's the number one search engine in the world? And everybody, of course, raises their hand. And in unison, they go, Google. And he then he says, well, what's the number two? And they'll go, oh, Yelp or City Search. And then he goes, who cares? Yeah. <laughs> who cares what the second one is? So, um, you know, I, and I, I tell you, it's interesting, Jeff. I, I, I do this exercise with my clients. And I, I do it as often as I can. Is I'll, I'll get them in my conference room or I'll get them on a virtual call. And I'll say, let's pull up your website. I'm going to look at Denver Dentist or Dentist Denver. And, and, and these folks are absolutely flabbergasted that they're spending money on SEO and they're nowhere to be found on page one, two, three, or four. Because if you're not on page one in the first two or three or four, you might as well not be on the internet. So talk about how you work with clients and websites. And uh, yeah, what if you have a guy or a lady who's who's been had a website and they're nowhere near the top. You can't just push a button and get them to the top of Google. Talk about how you work with Google and how you help doctors get to the the, the top of, um, of of page one. Yeah. So the and this is this is our most popular service. I think we work with around it's close to three hundred different practices to do search engine optimization every month. And you're right. You can't press a button and get them to the top of the organic results. You can swipe a credit card and start buying ads, but right. you're going to have to keep paying every time there's a click. Um, long term, that's more expensive than SEO, but it is instantaneous. Um, there are there are, there's good fits for ads versus SEO. You know, if you're trying to attract people in a high income area, but they're you know a little bit further away from your practice, but you know they'll drive. You know, you know that that wealthy suburb will commute to the city. Um, Google AdWords is fantastic for targeting that very cost effectively. Um, but for you know general area general searches around your uh, geographical cow. Um, SEO is typically the best return on investment. Um, and Gary's right. You know, well, he's 92% like, right. Um, that's the market share at Google right now. Um, I wouldn't, a lot of the same principles that apply to Google also apply to Bing or other search engines. You just don't need to, you, just, you really need to worry and test with Google and it'll mostly apply um, to Bing. Um, so that he, he's, that's good advice. Um, so what do you do if you want to have your site rank? Well, there's a couple things that we, we want. We want the site to be fast. Google does take page speed um, into account. Um, we've gone through the process of like caching pages. Um, all of our systems are on this like distributed, scalable Amazon AWS system. So buying like the discount web hosting from GoDaddy for you know three dollars a month um, 
may not be what you want. Um, that may result in a slower site that Google says, well, there's something faster. We can show people Google likes things that are fast. Um, so they'll reward that. Having unique content um, can help too. Having enough content, it's, it's there's there are tons of, um, we talked about this, like templated, um, you know, buy a site in a box type of thing. And their p- content about teeth whitening is exactly the same as 10,000 other dental websites about teeth whitening. So somebody's in your market looking for teeth whitening and you have the same content as 10,000 other sites. Why are you the guy out of 10,000 people that Google should pick to talk about teeth whitening and show that to a consumer? They, there's no reason. Um, so I w- you got to write your own content. Um, you got to have unique media. Um, you have to have enough content. And then there's some tuning that has to be done. Um, a lot of people, when you um, if we'll, we'll look at we'll look at the metadata on sites, and this is the title and the description, and the title of that is kind of shared with Google on a per page basis on your site, and that's how Google constructs its search results. The that blue link at the top is based on the title tag on your website. If you view the source code and look for the title, um, you should see this little uh, HTML tag in there, and that's that's where Google's getting that data. Um, and oftentimes, people have the same title for every page on their site. It's just like, you know, website, uh, which is terrible. Or maybe it'll be, you know, the name of their practice, which is fine, but not for every page on the site. Um, We like to have unique titles that describe the page accurately. We like to have a description for the page that's sent to Google. So we're making it very easy for Google to look at kind of the menu of all the options on your site and very clearly communicate that to consumers or who are trying to figure out, you know, where, where they can get an answer to their question. We want to make it very easy for Google to figure out what's on your site. And then, you know, there's lots of, there's an art to, and a little bit of a science to integrating keywords with the right density. You don't want to go to a website and see like, you know, Denver emergency plumber, you know, is here to solve your emergency Denver plumbing needs. If you have a plumbing emergency in Denver, then click here because an emergency pipe burst in Denver. And it's like, this is written for a computer. Um, you, you have to write for a human being, but remember that Google's going to read it too. I also understand, and this is this is my <laughs> limited knowledge of this subject, is that uh, Google really um, uh, basically does not like if your uh, website is not friendly for phones and i iPads and things like that. So I, I know that I've read stuff that Google has has really uh, penalized people. So how do you make? A site that's that's friendly not only on a laptop but also on an iPad and an iPhone and a, an Android and all that stuff. Yeah, uh, we we talked about it a little bit before um, when I was referencing uh, responsive design, and I think I think it was like a couple of years ago that uh, a majority of searches uh, began to happen on a mobile phone. Uh, more are now happening with uh, voice search too. And the, the key there is you, you want to hear from your website provider is uh, a mobile responsive site. If you go to your website and you're forwarded to like m. you know drgladnick.com or drgladnick.com slash mobile and it's this completely separate site, you're doing it wrong and Google's not going to like it. It should be the exact same site, exact same content oh, that's all available on the desktop. You're just seeing it kind of reconfigured for uh, a mobile device. That is, is how... Uh, you impress Google with your mobile website. I've got three or four more things I want to hit hit on with yeah. you this time. Time flies when you're having fun. So um, talk about integrating the dental offices, uh, practice management software, dental forms, patient portals. How do we integrate that into the website? Um, we typically, we've built integrations with all the popular platforms. So if you use Yappy or, you know, Lighthouse, Solution Reach, Revenue Well, um, we've, we've done those integrations so many times, uh, that we just built an integration. So we just get the ID. And then when, whenever that company changes their integration, cause you know, they upgrade their software, it's, it just, we just upgrade everybody at once. Um, so we've tried to make this sort of hands-off approach to the integrations for our, our clients so they don't have to call their service provider, then have them call us, have them give us the new code. That just wastes everybody's time and money. Um, but forms are very useful, especially online forms to have on, you know, a form section of your you know website or your new patient section. Um, oh, online booking has become a lot more popular. We integrate with like seven or eight different online booking engines. Patient portals are very easy. You know, you just have to have a website or a link somewhere so people can click in. Um, it depends on what the mix of, you know, third-party stuff that, uh, practices want to integrate are. Um, one thing to keep in mind, and I see this especially with chat providers, 
you know, they will sell a dentist and say, hey, this uh, chat software is going to lead to like 20 new patients a month for you. And what they really mean is, you know, 17 of the uh, new patients you had that were going to call or email the office would prefer to use chat. And that's that's true, you know, that maybe or maybe I'm overinflating that, but there are a percentage of people that are, would just prefer to use chat. Um, but they didn't come up with those uh, new patients. They just, you know, facilitated it the way that your phone did. But, you know, you could swap out them for a different chat provider um, or even take it away. And maybe you wouldn't get 20, maybe you get 19. But um, what, what you typically will see is a complete, because they are a little bit greedy in their approach to wanting to claim those patients so they can justify their costs, they will disconnect the reporting that comes from marketing that you that we might be doing, that you know you might be doing, a third party might be doing. Um, you have to make sure that things called UTM codes are passed in to online booking engines or chat or anything else that the patient might use to convert to, or that the prospect might use to convert to a patient. If they're not doing that, then the company is kind of over-exaggerating their contribution to your new patients. Um, other, and what, what do we see from our end? You know, We had this Google AdWords campaign that was performing very well, that was getting this number of calls. And we don't really mind if they call or email or you know, online book or uh, go through chat. We want them, we just want the number to be as high as possible. But then all of a sudden, this, third, this new plugin's installed and something drops off. And we don't have any insight in, uh, into where the ad campaign's going. And that could be negative for your marketing company because what they need is they need the ability to tell if the ad converted into a chat and into a patient. And if that disconnection is happening from that company, that's a problem and you're losing transparency. So as you incorporate all these third-party services, if they're involved with um, you know, getting new patients or con- um, converting a new patient or scheduling them, make sure that your marketing company is at least aware of what you're doing so they can make sure that your reporting isn't going to have this huge disconnect and, you, and a loss of transparency. So uh, another thing is, you know, Jeff, this information is just incredible, uh, amazing. Uh, it, there's so much to know, which is uh, going to lead to my probably my last question when I get to it. But um, how can you track if your website, you know, you, you go out, you do a great job, you do all these things, you create this website. How do we know if it's attracting people or there are tracking mechanisms that you uh, put in that the doctors can use to see if this is really working? Yeah, there's there's lots of different um, analytics software, a lot of which is free that you can incorporate into your website. Google Analytics is probably the most popular one. I mean, it'll tell you how many people are coming from search engines. It'll give you a little bit of data about what they're looking for. Google likes to restrict that for privacy reasons, but it'll tell you where people are, what uh, what pages they're looking at, how much time they're spending on those pages, where they come in, where they leave. You know, we we often think people just go to the homepage and then click on the service and read the about page, maybe look at a before and after case, and then they'll be compelled to schedule. People come in through all sorts of different vectors. They'll they'll search for something specific and land on an FAQ and then go to the service page. So it'll show you the path that people are taking through your website. And that can be very useful if you're trying to figure out why you're not getting enough patients or why they're not converting. Um, so that's one that I would look at. We use uh, a very expensive uh, piece of software called SEM Rush to track SEO performance because a lot of insight into what competitors are doing. Um, so if you're working with a marketing agency um, like us um, or someone, a company that does marketing, they may have some additional uh, software that you can get access to the reporting for. Um, that may be very interesting to you. Those are those are the ones that we okay. really use. If you're just a, consu- um, a dentist at home and you want to see how you're doing for SEO, um, you can use incognito mode um, on your browser or private browsing mode, and then just do some spot checking for searches. If you're logged in as yourself, it'll and you've been to your website a bunch of times, it'll it'll show you that disproportionately. Okay, um, how do you integrate a website with social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram? Do you do that? Yeah, we built direct integrations into Facebook and Twitter. Twitter is kind of useless, but Facebook um, is useful. So if you add, you know, new before and after case, we have a little button after you post the content that says, "Do you want to also post this as uh, to your Facebook page?" So, so it just makes it easy to syndicate the content. Um, I know there, there's lots of tools, and our mutual friend Rita Zamora has a great product called Connect Ninety that allow you to schedule um, content over, you know, a calendar. Um, so you can have all these different promotions that you know you may not have necessarily been generated from your website um, start to appear on all your social media profiles, Instagram, Twitter, you know that 
Facebook, that sort of stuff. I think that kind of those type of scheduling tools are very useful um, if you're going to uh, do that. Uh, for as far as like the basics, just have a link to your website somewhere in the upper right corner, maybe in the footer, so people are aware if they use their social tools and they want to follow you or you know see a little bit more of your content, they can click through and uh, get get let them have a little bit of insight into how fun you are in the practice. Um, you know, if you celebrated people's birthdays, anniversaries, if you're doing anything for Halloween, we'll typically see Dennis dress up as something funny. Um, share a little bit of uh, your, your character on your social media. Um, and then the last thing I want to touch on, and I, I can talk to you for hours about this, you, you have given us such great information in the last hour or so. Let's talk about, uh, I'm sure, your favorite topic stock websites and why they're not really good and maybe some of the biggest mistakes that you're seeing dentists make um, if they're trying to do it themselves or other websites that you've seen. I'm sure you've seen a lot of bad <laughs> bad websites. And then, yeah. you know, you can buy a stock website for $500. You can also get a crown for $300 if you go to certain places, you know, you get what you pay for. So talk about the why a stock website um, is just not a good thing because I know it isn't. Yeah. So I, I it, you know, it, you, if you're a dentist, you're, you know that your practice is different than other dentists. And what a stock website is telling consumers is my practice is exactly the same. I remember uh, we, we came across, uh, it was a small mountain town in Colorado and it was like a traveling salesman just kind of went through and sold everybody the exact same website. It was the yeah. same design, the same content. They just replaced Dr. Smith with Dr. Jones with Dr. Sampson. And it's like, and I can just imagine patients in that market, like, okay, well, this guy was referred. Let me go to the next one. Hey, this looks familiar. Then I go to the third one. Wait a second. This is just all exactly the same. And when you're trying to sell a service that's very much, you know, about when you, you know, you got to think about your unique value proposition to people. And that's usually a blend of, you know, your technology, your materials, your education, your philosophy. You know, we, we do have dentists that, you know, wouldn't recommend fluoride treatments. We have other dentists that those guys are crazy. Um, you know, we have people that want to take the mercury amalgams out of your mouth and people who are still putting them in. Um, there's a difference in philosophy there. Um, we're, you know, we're agnostic. We're not dentists. We don't we go to dental school. We don't know what the right answer is. Um, there are other dentists that have a lot of high technology and a lot of people who are, you know, more focused on the experience and the comfort people who want a salt of the earth dental experience, people who are offering you a spa-like experience, you know, um, other people are much more focused on like, you know, post COVID, especially like you get in, you get out, you come in through the egg, fire exit. So you don't see anybody, you know, wear a mask, don't wear a mask. You know, there's a lot of differentiation um, that you can explain to people. And if you have a stock website, you're not even trying. Um, so it's okay. I'd rather have you have a, a stock website than no website, but you got to think of us as like a temporary crown. What is your upgrade path going to be? And, you know, how are you going to move on from this once you're, uh, once you're ready? And sometimes people are on very tight budgets and, you know, affordability is a problem. Just know, am I going to have to throw this thing out completely? Or did I at least pay for a website and then I can just pay you to rewrite the content? And then I can pay you to redo the graphic design and we can just incrementally uh, improve this without having to throw the whole damn thing out and start over. I'd rather have you on an upgrade path, which is what we try to do with clients who tell us, I have no money, just give me something. I was like, okay, great. We'll, we'll give you the most cost-efficient thing at the very beginning of the upgrade path. Um, but that's that's what we say. As far as uh, mistakes that are concerned, um, you know, with stock or without, uh, I would say people that purely pick form over function. That is a balancing act, and you need the right balance. But sometimes people have these very elaborate, very heavy, you know, animations that just don't perform well in Google. They take up so much weight that it takes so long for people to uh, for the site to load, and Google doesn't reward it. And it you talked about how many seconds we have to get people's attention. They've already lost it. They're going back because these silly animations are loading all over the place. That happens a lot less than it used to, but it used to be a big problem. Um, one thing we we also touched on, you know, ignoring technical requirements or mobile compatibility. Um, there, at one point, Google, Bing, and Yahoo um, all got together, and this is when Bing and Yahoo were bigger considerations, and they created this system called Schema.org. And so you can tell every um, search engine that you have what type of website you are. You know, are you a you know dog sitter? Are you a dry cleaner? Are you a restaurant? Are you a Chinese restaurant? Or are you 
a dental practice. And there are specific specifications that you have to embed in the code of your website. There's and there's like, you know, hundred different technical little things like this. And a lot of times, you know, if you've if you've never built a dental website before, you're just completely ignorant of these. We were the first time we did it. Um, these are things you learn, you know, at the first hundred, two hundred, five hundred thousand website dental websites you build. You're like, ah, another little trick. Um, you know, you should always refer to it as teeth whitening because that gets twenty times the search volume of tooth bleaching it's eight times the search volume of tooth whitening, just tooth and teeth, um, eight times. Um, there are lots of little uh, mistakes like that that get made in the copy. Uh, also, make sure you can make changes. Um, a lot of times people will publish a website and they don't touch it for five years until they're just sick of looking at it and you got to burn the thing down and start completely over. <laughs> you should be updating your website at least once a month with some little bit of content, um, you know, a new before and after case, a testimonial, a review, uh, maybe an FAQ here and there. And we typically are working with clients and coaching them to to try. That is the goal to try to get them to do something like that. It doesn't have to be the dentist; it can be the office manager, or the front desk. But not being able to make changes is, you know, is is guaranteeing that you're going to have to pay a web developer who you don't need to do. You know, you don't need someone with technical expertise uh, to make changes to your site, but you're going to be forced to if you pick the wrong system. So make sure that they can demonstrate to you how to do it. Um, And don't set yourself for these excessive future costs where um, this website is going to be guaranteed to go out of style in five years. And the design will, you know, there's no way around it. Consumer taste and preferences change. Um, But make sure you have some sort of flexible system um, so you don't, you know, have to pay for this all over every five years. Well, as far as I'm concerned, folks, you just got a master's degree level course in what a dental website is supposed to look at. This is quite frankly one of the better interviews that I've done on our podcast. I mean, you hit everything. Uh, Folks, if you listen to this once or twice, um, uh, you know, again, I'm going to let Jeff Jeff give out his information one more time, whether you use uh, Jeff or not, this is going to give you a lot of really good things that you need to be looking at in order to get a good dental website. So, Jeff, go ahead one more time uh, as we wrap this up, and, and please stay with me as I take uh, take us out of the podcast. Uh, give out your contact information, please. Um, as uh, how do people get a hold of you? Your, your your email, your website, and your phone number. Sure, go to greatdentalwebsites.com. Um, on our phone number is 720-399-7071. If you want to email me directly, it's Jeff, J-E-F-F, the right Jeff, um, at Great Dental Websites, and that's plural.com. Jeff Gladnick, founder and CEO of Great Dental Websites. Thank you so much for taking your valuable time and sharing with our audience. Um, I know for a fact that websites in a dental practice of my clients have made a difference in getting the phone to ring. And that's what we want. We want the phone to ring. What happens after the phone rings, that's another conversation. And go back to the 130, 140 um, podcasts I've done, and we've got conversations about that. But Jeff's job is to get the phone to ring. And that's what uh, that's what his websites will do. Jeff, thank you so much for your time uh, and your expertise and, and what you've done to help the dental profession. Thanks again, Art. Uh, As we go out, just a reminder, take a look at our partner, Decisions in Dentistry, www.decisionsindentistry.com. Look at their uh, great uh, clinical content and their um, uh, 140 continuing education courses. Go to our partners uh, at the Academy of Dental CPAs, www.adcpa.org. And um, again, if you want to get a hold of me, uh, to talk about you know tax planning, uh, financial planning, uh, who's going to win the World Series, who's going to win the Super Bowl, who's going to win the Masters. I'll talk about just about anything, especially if it has to do with sports. Um, my phone number is 657-279-3243. And my email is awiederman, and that's spelled W-I-E-D-E-R-M-A-N, at idebailey, E-I-D-E-B-A-I-L-L-Y.com. Well, folks, that will do it for this edition of the Art of Dental Finance and Management with Art Wiederman CPA. Please tell your friends about our podcast. We are so honored and humbled at the thousands of people every week who download the podcast and listen to it. Uh, you can go onto Ide Bailey's website and all the podcasts are there. We've done about 140 of them, I think, uh, maybe 130. I can't even keep track anymore. Um, and, um, you know, give us a call. We can help you 
and uh, listen to the good information. It, it, the, the podcasts that we've done over the last three years literally have become a library of dental financial management and uh, dental business management. It, I'm really proud of all the great people and the ones I've done on my own. Uh, we've got some great ones coming up. We're going to be talking about the new tax law. We're going to be giving you the updated information on the HHS provider relief fund and what you have to do on that and everything you can do to help grow and build your practice. So with that, this is Art Wiederman for the Art of Dental Finance and Management with Art Wiederman CPA. And we'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to today's episode of the Art of Dental Finance and Management podcast. Be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts so you never miss an episode. The Art of Dental Finance and Management podcast is produced by Ide Bailey in partnership with Art Wiederman, CPA, Decisions in Dentistry Magazine, and the Academy of Dental CPAs. For audience questions and feedback, email Art Wiederman, awiederman at idebailey.com. That's A-W-I-E-D-E-R-M-A-N at E-I-D-E-B-A-I-L-L-Y.com. Or you may call Art at 657-279-3243.